Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about the reason that Jesus came. And I just want to start out by saying this, um, that Jesus came so that we can play church. Does that sound right? That does not sound right. Uh, what, what is it to play church? Well, to play church is to come in to church, to be at church. So first things first, you got the first part right. You're at church. Uh, but it's kind of like playing uh, things when you're kids. I don't know if you ever played uh, house or banker or school. Um, you know, you played a certain thing and you pretended that uh, you were someone that you weren't. Uh, Many of you ladies here, you you played school. If you had siblings, especially younger ones, you sat them down. And it wasn't really so much for school because you were concerned about education. You just thought you could be bossy. And uh, it it worked. Uh, I realize that some people are trying to um, not use that word anymore, uh, the word bossy. But... Um, If it is, it is. You know, uh, I have a daughter in my house as well. Um, (laughs) Pretending, pretending. It's pretending. It's playing like someone you're not. It's it's doing something. It's you might even call it dress up. Uh, It's the idea that you're 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 somehow trying to cover up what's true. And uh, this morning, as we think about this, and as I said, uh, Jesus came so that we can play church, everyone kind of bristled and goes, that just doesn't sound right. Uh, This morning, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus was once again extending his kingdom. He was handing it out. He was showing them what it was like. Uh, You can even say it. Jesus was saying, This is how I do kingdom. This is what my kingdom looks like. If you want to be a part of my kingdom, this is what it looks like. This is how we will do it. Uh, I think sometimes we come to church so that we can think of ourselves as great. Uh, Maybe we, we, we have an inside cover here and we keep attendance for ourselves. Uh, we keep attendance. I was at church this much. Uh, I made it on time. I made it on time. Uh, there's not too many of you here who check on that box and that column. Uh, there's some of you. Uh, some of you, it's a little spotty, you know. Uh, um, that's okay. That's okay. Some of you have these check. Some of you say, well, you know, I read my Bible and I have this little checking system and I look back at it and I, 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 I stare at it for a while, especially when I've done it a lot. And I go, hmm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a good person. I'm great. Uh, especially if we consider other people, maybe even in our own family or others we uh, know and we say, hmm, they don't make it to church very often. They're late. They don't read their Bible very much. At least it's not as much as I do. Um, I, I, I want to point something out this morning, and I hope that you see it. I hope that you acknowledge it. Uh, we sing songs about ourselves sometimes here. There's some songs that talk about what's going on inside of us. 
But most of the songs that we sing talk about what's going on in God. What's great about Him. And I want to tell you that if you ever come across a church that makes you feel great, um, I, I think that church has missed the point. The point is that we feel great about God. That we feel great about His Son, Jesus that we are excited about who He is and we lessen our focus on the mirrors that reflect our own goodness. So this morning, uh, we look at uh, Matthew chapter 9 as we continue in our study of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. If you'd like, you could stand in honor of God's Word and we'll be starting in verse 9. to verse 13. This is what God's word says to us. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a ta- at the tax booth, and he said to him, "Follow me." And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reading uh, and reclining I'm sorry and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples and when the Pharisees saw this they said to his disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners but when he heard it he said those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick go and learn What this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And God, I ask your blessing on our time this morning. As we look at your word, God, I ask that your word would reflect on our heart and change it. God, you know where we need to be changed. You know what we're struggling with. And so we ask that you would do your work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My first point this morning uh, is the calling of a sinner. The calling of a sinner. And this is what Jesus was doing when he walked the face of the earth. He was calling sinners. He was calling sinners to himself. Many of you here today have been one of those sinners that Jesus has called to himself. And this is what it is. It's hard to talk about uh, sin and sinners today uh, because, and I think it was tough in Jesus' time as well, because we don't like to be told we're wrong by anybody. In fact, most of the time, We will defend our answers and our life, our children, uh, to a fault. We will guard it as if nobody can touch this and that I am perfect. We would never say that. But the way we act is one that would not acknowledge that we are sinners. It says, and remember the context of all this, we have uh, seen Jesus do miracles and he's walked around, he's gone on boats and he's, he's been ex- exposing himself as one who can do miracles. As God come in the flesh, he's been doing things that nobody else can do. 
And undoubtedly, he is uh, one his fame is beginning to grow. And in Capernaum, uh, where, where they were, undoubtedly people were hearing of this man, Jesus, of what he did and what he, who he was. And we pick up the story in verse 9. It says, Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Okay? Um, this story is one of the stories, and as, as we go through it this morning, undoubtedly you'll be like me. I, I have a, 50 questions that I will not have answered about this. So what was he doing when he was sitting at this tax booth? What exactly did the tax booth look like? I did some reading uh, a while back, and uh, some even thought that the tax booth was probably elevated over the city so he could have seen all the comings and goings on in the city. The tax booths were most of the time, uh, they were at a, a cross section, uh, the center of the town or on a gateway in and out of the town. And they were like a, a toll booth, if you will. And there was a, a sense where uh, a man who had a, a toll booth, who was able to work as a tax collector, had both paid their way to get there and sold out their countrymen uh, to get this position so that they could tax them as well as uh, these taxes were uh, very, these tax collectors were very powerful people in that they could uh, exact tax and even have people thrown into prison uh, because of not paying taxes. And so they were powerful people. They were wealthy people. And it says that Matthew was one. He was sitting in the tax booth uh, when this took place. Um, it's really exciting to have an office, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever had that, that first day where you had an office and you go and uh, you, you sit at your desk and you think about it and you go, this is my office. This is the place I do real work. I, I'm important now because I have an office. But most days sitting in an office is pretty boring, Right? And I just wonder what was going on in Matthew's mind. As you look at the the parallel passages in the book of Luke and Mark, it refers to him as Levi, the son of Alphaeus. Uh, It's the same guy. It's two different names. It's much like Simon Peter, uh, as referred to in the scripture. But I wonder what Matthew was doing. Uh, And this being an interesting one, because this is Matthew writing about his own call uh, to Jesus. So he's sitting in the tax booth. He's probably wealthy. So he's sitting wealthy. Yeah. Uh, some of you can relate to this. Some of you cannot. Uh, some of you dream of being wealthy. Some of you are wealthy. And uh, so I picture him. This may or may not be true. Uh, he was bored, empty, and wealthy. <laughs> That's what I think he was. He's sitting there. And, and he may have seen Jesus off in a distance. He, uh, he probably had heard of the fame of Jesus. We don't know exactly what went on, but we know this. That Matthew's sitting there, and Jesus comes to him, and he says to him, Follow me. Follow me. Um. I need a few props this morning. I don't know if you could help me with a few props. Maybe some of you have these. I need a, I need a smartphone. I need a wallet, and I need a checkbook. Does anyone have those? I, I need those. Anybody have those? Smartphone. Very good. Thank you. 
Does this make you really smart? No, I was just wondering. Hence the name. A wallet. Does anyone have a wallet? Okay. A wallet. Oh, there's a checkbook and I need a wallet. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you for giving these to me. Uh, so, uh, checkbooks aren't that fun. I, once you figure out that if there's no money in them, it just doesn't matter. I, it's kind of frustrating because you think you can make your own money, but if there's no money in there, you're, you know. Anyways, um, so you have these things right here. Now, now some of you, when I said uh, uh, I need a smartphone, a checkbook, and a wallet, you flinched. And, and immediately in your in your mind, immediately in your mind, you said, for what? For what? What, what does he need them for? When am I going to get mine back? Uh, what, what, what is he going to use it for? Am I going to get it back? You know, what, is he going to look through it? Is he going to read it in front of the congregation? You know, what, what is he going to do with those things? A smartphone. What, what is a smartphone? Well, uh, you can do a bunch of things. I'm not exactly sure all the things you can do, but I know you can do this. You can uh, you can make phone calls. I think you can do that. Uh, you can text. That's where you send this funny little message, and it pops up on other people's phones. I'm not exactly sure. It's like a mystery to me. Um, you make phone calls. You can do that. You can even check your email on here. It's crazy. You know, how, how does it get the whole computer right on here? I don't know. Um, you can go on the Internet most of the time. Some of you can do banking on here. Some of you cannot. I mean, you you could, but you couldn't figure it out. So don't even try. Um, some of you are uh, social media people. You can go on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on uh all kinds of other things like that that I don't understand very well. Um, you can do, you know what else you, else you can do in here? You can keep a calendar of the things that you find important. So it's all about money. It's about friends. It's about connection. Uh, you can do all kinds of things on here. We'll set that aside for a minute. So then we have a, a checkbook, a checkbook. What do you do with a checkbook? Pay bills, pay bills. Most of the time, checkbooks do not represent good things, but bad things, right? You're paying bills all the time. You're, you're deciding uh, what your family is going to take care of. So you, take, you pay bills and so on and so forth. This is, uh, just represents money. And then your wallet. Uh, how many of you lose your wallet from time to time? I lost my wallet for a whole month one time. And uh, funny story, I had to get a new license, but I had to take the test to get a new license because I was adjusting from a commercial license to just a regular license and I failed the test. And then like next couple of days I found my wallet and I said, well, forget it. I'm not taking that test again. (laughs) So watch out for me on the road. Um, But uh, your wallet, you know, you got to have your wallet. It has your identification. It has uh, most likely credit cards. Uh, It has all kinds of different things in it. And this represents, you know, and what if Jesus said to you, give them to me, give them to me. Just give them to me. And, and you'd go, well, what are you going to do with them? And he says, just give them to me. Well, well, when can I have it back? Just give it to me. He said, well, it, how, how 
how am I going to pay for lunch? How, how am I going to pay for bills? You know, I, if I lose those, if I don't have those anymore, it, it, I, I'm giving it up. I, I no longer have it. And, and I can't function without the stuff that is my life, the things that I prioritize that I need to pay for, and all that other stuff that's in my wallet. What am I going to do? I don't want to hold on to these anymore. Um, here you go. You can have that back. Yeah. I, I know whose wallet this is. There's not much in it. You know, uh, here you go. Uh, I think in a much worse sense that this is what Jesus was doing when he called on Matthew to follow him. I want so much more conversation in this. And yet I look at the other parallel passages and they're pretty much exactly the same. Jesus says, follow me. And he does. He does. He, we, we would have a tough time doing that right now for just simple things. If I said, hey, uh, I, I need to make a trip to um, L.A. Let's go. And you'd go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I can't. I got so many important things I need to do. You know, I, I, I can't because there's things that need to be taken care of. I, I, things undone. I can't, I can't walk away. And yet the picture is in this passage and the other parallel passages where it describes this. It says that Jesus said, follow me. And he did. And he did. He walked away from his business. Uh, some have suggested that this was, you know, career suicide is what it was. You think about it, and I think there's some legitimacy to it. So he walks away from the tax collecting booth. He just walks away, and you see him following Jesus. Well, if the tax collecting booth is closed, it's no longer collecting funds. Everyone in the town is cheering, right? Everyone's like, this is great, except the one... Uh, that is collecting the funds to go to the government, right? And what's going to happen to that tax? Well, they're going to put somebody else in there, right? And so he, he would have no job to come back to. He would have no office, no business, if you will, to come back to. And you say, well, he'd just get another job. He's a businessman. Um, yeah. How do you get a job in a town where you've been the tax collector, so what was your previous job? You look on, I'm looking at your resume here, and it says that you extorted from everyone in your whole town money. You didn't have a job. You didn't have any prospects. But for whatever reason, the compelling call in Jesus' life, when he says, come, follow me. I find it interesting that, what does it say that he was doing in the tax collector booth? We only have really one detail. What does it say? He was sitting. Lazy. <laughs> he was sitting. He had to get up and go. Get up and go. What a picture that Jesus does. He says, you're sitting there. You're stuck there. He says, get up, let's go. And he did. He got up and he went. Um, I, I, I want to tell you, uh, and I've already mentioned this, but I want to make sure you get it. 
uh, we have no details of where he was going, what he was going to be doing, how he was going to find lunch, what this was going to mean to his family. We have no, we have no details of what Jesus laid out there. And in fact, I don't think that Jesus did give, if at all, I think he gave very few. Come. But Jesus did not call him to a path. He didn't call him to a destination. Jesus didn't say, hey, come, uh, be one of my disciples. I'll give you a new job. It'll be called the disciple. And uh, I'll provide for you all your needs. And I'll take care of lunch and where you stay. And I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of all of that. But Jesus called him away from his business to him as a person. Jesus called him to himself. He didn't, he didn't throw down a list of rules. You're going to now live like this. He said, come and follow me. Walk with me. Walk with me. And this is what makes us nervous, right? Well, Jesus, where are you taking me? What, what are we going to do when we get there? Where, what, what cities are we going to go to? Where, where, where's lunch going to be? I, I'm concerned about all these things. Matthew was called as a sinner to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. And he did. He rose and he followed him. We go from that scene. Um, Book of Mark and Luke tell us that they go to a house. And that house was Matthew's house. If you look at verse 10, it says this. And as Jesus reclined at the table... Um, at this house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, uh, this idea of reclining at the table, they were having, uh, I call this the sinner's dinner, okay? The sinner's dinner. Uh, So he calls a sinner from his place of business his tax collecting booth, and now he goes to this same sinner's household and he throws a sinner's dinner. And and when you are um, a sinner, who are your friends? Other sinners, right? And so uh, there's a sense in which, you know, others have said this was like organized crime, uh, what the tax collector did. So all his companions would have been in the same class, right? And so he gathered them at his house and he says, I want to show you. He throws for Jesus, the new one he's following, his disciples, and there were many, many uh, tax collectors and sinners there. You can imagine what that would have looked like. And it says they reclined at the table. Um, Reclining at the table... Uh, was different from just sitting at the table. It's very, I, I want to say that even in our culture today, the idea of sharing a meal with someone in their home is intimate, isn't it? There's some people you go, you know, I'd like to get to know them better. And you say, uh, let's go out to dinner. You know, there's multiple exits at a restaurant. And, you know, if things get bad and uh, we just kind of part our own ways, we'll drive in our own cars. Well, I'll meet you there. Okay. That's, that's safe. But when you bring someone into your home, there's an intimacy there. They, let, they get to see how you live. They get to see uh, what your home looks like on the inside. 
But even more so in this culture, the idea of reclining at the table. The idea, the picture would have been kind of like a coffee table or maybe something just a touch higher and pillows and that they would have laid almost on the ground side by side to one another. Just uh, my kids would say they were chilling. Okay, they were just they they were just kind of hanging out there. And and this is how they would share a meal. It's very intimate. And so Jesus, Savior of the world, the new king and his kingdom roll into Matthew's house where he invited all his tax collector buddies and the rest of the sinners. And they're all together sharing in a meal. Some have suggested that this was a party. And I I just don't like the word, the connotations, because when you talk about partying among that kind, uh, there's sinful activities going on and there's no mention of this. There's these sinners who their life is marked by sin coming in to meet Jesus. And it's not that Jesus participated in their sin, but rather he showed them the dignity and the care for them as people shared a meal with them. And so as we we see this scene of many tax collectors and sinners, I like how Matthew puts it that there are many, there are many, not just one or two. Um, and as, uh, as we see this scene, it tells us in verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, not to Jesus, but to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And most likely what they were referring to is a simple teaching of the rabbis the rabbinic teachings that said if a tax gatherer enters the house, all within the house becomes unclean. That you can be unclean just by being with another unclean person. And so uh, they were saying to the disciples, hoping to probably pick them off and, and remove them from Jesus. Why is your teacher who you know, supposed to be so great and you're following him as if he is God. Why is he doing this? He's, he's meeting with those who are unclean. Jesus has done this already in uh, different conversations that we've already looked at. But Jesus enters into a conversation that is not his own. That they have thoughts in their mind and bad thoughts and now they're, they're mumbling to one another and talking to the disciples and Jesus enters into this conversation and he responds to them. And he says something that should stick in our mind and remind us of what Jesus is all about. And he says this, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are well have no need for a doctor. It's those who are sick. Um, Be careful. Uh, A lot of times when we think of Jesus as the great physician, our knees bothering us. Um, It's not that Jesus is not uh, king over knees and shoulders, backs, heads, coughs. He's, he, he, he's king over all. But the great physician, the greatest thing he ever does 
is that He saves sinners. And at the sinner's dinner, these Pharisees were pointing and they were saying, why does He eat with sinners? And Jesus says, I'll tell you why I eat with sinners. It's because it's not the ones who are well that need a doctor, a physician, but it's those who are sick. Think about that right now. And ask the question, how do you view yourself apart from Jesus? What what is it that you need him for? Why do you need a new king? Is it because you're well? Or is it because you're sick? Most of us struggle with this in everyday life. We go, "Ah, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm fine. Maybe you lied to your spouses like that. I'm fine. Doing fine. No, really. I'm fine. Over and over again. And you, uh, we say to ourselves, we say, no, 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 I don't need any help. I, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. We push that away. And Jesus says something so profound that he says, it's those, it's not the ones who are well that need a doctor. It's those who are sick. And then he uh, directs something personal to them. And he says this. Verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The the word go, the the picture of the word go is go on a journey. Go back to school. Go uh, meditate and, and get right. Go figure this out. Well, what is it? Go and and figure out this thing. From the book of Hosea, he says, go understand what this means. That I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The Pharisees had marked their life with uh, following rules. Of checking off boxes, of of pointing to one another and say, you missed a spot. Oh yeah, well you missed a spot. And they go back and forth and try to not miss any spots. (laughs) Okay? spiritually try to cover themselves in their own goodness. And I'm sure there was a great sacrifice involved in that. There always is, right? And Jesus points to their sacrifice and he says, go and figure out what this means. That I desire mercy 